International. We are back. Uh, this is the uh, 17th installment of I Learned Nothing. Here's the 17 more. Here's the 17 more. It's a lucky 34. And then we can quit forever. <laughs> My name is Ben Chalik, uh, <laughs> philosopher extraordinaire, here to educate my troglodyte friend pat yeah pat, how you doing i'm good i wish i knew what the word troglodyte meant well, then i could that private proper response i'm gonna assume it means handsome in spanish <laughs> it does mean handsome in spanish all right good 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 uh it's so in my first comedy album handsome in spanish no one's <laughs> no one's gonna get it at all <laughs> troglodyte colon <laughs> handsome in spanish there's so many people being like that's obviously not what that means every <laughs> cd spanish every cd's blank <laughs> i just don't even make an album <laughs> well uh this is a comedy podcast about philosophy uh ben you're a philosophy expert you graduated mm-hmm. from princeton university I mean, ever a, a heard of it degree in uh, philosophy consultation i'm a philosophy consultant <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, when uh, when big companies like Apple, they have problems with their philosophy, right. they bring in Ben. Right, I offer them philosophy solutions. <laughs> philosophy solutions? <Yeah. laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Uh, well, the topic today is uh, this uh, silly goose named Immanuel Kant. Mm-hmm. So this guy. this guy is kind of a big deal. Yeah, he's a pretty big deal. But when I when I gave you... So the way the show works is I come up with a, uh, a topic. Mm-hmm. About philosophy, whether it's a, a concept, a thought experiment, or a philosopher, Ben explains it to me, and then I, I learn a lot, and then I take a nap and forget everything. Yeah. Uh, and when I brought up there's Kant, no purpose to this podcast. At there's all. no purpose. Yeah. I learned nothing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't even mean to do a pun on the title. I really didn't. <laughs> That's just me naturally being dumb. I really yeah. didn't mean to do that. Uh, just a tremendous waste of time on our part. Oh my! I'm not well, on my I'm, part. Uh, yeah, really. I, I, I'm just doing this so I can have someone to talk to to be honest with you very lonely man yeah tim doesn't isn't cutting it no tim the cat was upset with me earlier it doesn't matter why uh physical abuse uh so when (laughs) when i brought up kant Mm -hmm. you seemed kind of not happy he's not your dude well not this um, carl marx guy well um (laughs) well you know the big problem i have with emmanuel kant is that i sound like mickey wells um um Listen, I got one question for you. Are you an Immanuel Khan or an Immanuel Kant? Dude, I well that's what I'm trying to figure out. Um no, nah, so there's I don't really have a problem with Kant. It's just that he is Here's the thing, Pat. Okay. He's the biggest nerd in all <laughs> Of philosophy history. How is that basically. possible? They're all nerds. Right. They're all German right. yes. nerds. <laughs> They're all German nerds. So philosophy, basically, there was like a 200-year period, I would say. Actually, no, it's still being dominated by Germans in a way. Well, Very. okay. Here, 
basically, yeah, he's a he's just a fucking huge dweeb. Yeah, sorry, yeah. To, say, sorry to say, fuck, Dad. Um, yes, I'm. We're sorry, Mr. Sherlock. Yeah, we apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, Immanuel Kant is a big German dweeb. Actually, he's a small German dweeb. I think he was like five three. <laughs> he was five three. Yeah. Why are we listening to this guy? <laughs> well, um, actually, here are my thoughts on shut up. That's how he said. Go get a ladder. He actually face. talks like that. Yeah. Um, we're just starting this podcast by making fun of this guy who made monumental contributions to philosophy. Oh God, yeah, Are you kidding um, me? But he was a huge nerd. He never uh, like really left his his town. He grew up in K- Konigsberg, which is this town in Prussia, which is Germany now. Um, and uh, his entire life, I think <laughs> he lived to be like seventy years old. He never traveled more than like ten miles outside of his house. So why is this guy? Right. What, yeah, okay. The, what little I know about this guy is that he had all these weird habits. He never left his hometown. It's like, yeah. why do you think a personality like that is like? No, I want to understand everything. Well, why? You clearly have no interest in well, the you know, world. What, you know what's funny is uh, what's he's, funny. He's actually so not only was he a nerd, but like his that entire entire town that he grew up in yeah. are even bigger nerds than he is. <laughs> Because, because when he died, they threw him a fucking huge funeral. Like basically, he was like Bowie. Really? <laughs> town. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, all because yeah, he wrote a bunch of books, being like, I don't understand things. Um, so yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask something. Why do you think? Something you pointed out to me before we start recording is that. All these philosophers, they're all German and they're all dudes. Yeah, they're like, all dudes. When do you? Well, why do you think that is? They're not all German. Uh, I mean, so here, actually, with these guys, when we go into like the history of, okay, so we're going to talk about Kant. Yeah. We have to talk about basically the problem he was trying to solve. Um, how do I leave my hometown? How, just, do I, yeah. how do I get out of my house? Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to leave so bad, right. but he just didn't know how. Yeah, no one ever told him. It's basically like like misery, like the the movie Misery. But yeah, uh, um, but uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the Kathy Bates character in this case was portrayed by his thirst for knowledge. <laughs> um, <and> he, <laughs> uh, oh, I want to kill you so bad. <laughs> I want to murder you. Um, bring it. Bitch. <laughs> All right, bitch. Uh, okay, so so we have to start with uh, basically the beginning of modern philosophy. Uh, kind of started with this guy named Descartes, who's this big sleazy French dude. I've um, heard about this guy. You heard about Descartes? He's sleazy. I don't know. Not really. He's just French. Um, yeah, exactly. So anyway, Descartes, uh, his his main theory when it came to like how we understand knowledge. Is that all our uh, all the processes that we use to to know something to understand something uh-huh. is through reason, and that's all innate. He says that it's all innate; it's all already kind of programmed into our brains. And that philosophy was called rationalism. All right, I'm with you. Okay, they were called the continental Forever. rationalists, mm-hmm. um, and those those dudes. That's Descartes, uh, Spinoza, and this German guy named. Le- uh, Leibniz or Leibniz, uh, I don't know how you pronounce Spinoza. it. Spinoza, Spinoza, yeah. We got hey, to... I've got some fucking philosophy over here. Oh, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> yeah, he, he was basically this Guido. Hey, um, I got some philosophy. Hey, don't touch my oh, fucking sister. Oh, Maron. Um, oh, 
So actually, Spinoza was. Where's the red sauce? Was, was a Portuguese Jew from Amsterdam. What? <laughs> so not even close to oh, being Italian. Oh man! So my racism was just fell flat. Oh yeah. Man. So flat. I, you know, I flew too close to the racist sun, mm-hmm. and I got racist sunburned. And, <laughs> and you got burned. Got burned badly. Yeah. Um, so these guys are like, they're like doing, a, they're like the, the kind of like the, the founding fathers of philosophy. So they're the founding fathers of, of what's called modern Western philosophy. Modern? Oh, yeah, of course. Right. So, yeah, because, I mean, obviously you have um, Plato and those You have philosophy. Plato and the Greeks. They started like way back. And then, um, you know, during the Middle Ages, uh people were basically you had you had philosophy but it was all all kind of like uh trapped in this big cage called uh christianity oh and, yeah yeah and so basically what happened to that um i think it's still around some still people around. are still like talking about it yeah um it's kind of weird right yeah some guy named what's his name randy randy christ randy christ or uh no jesus that's his name <laughs> it, you know it's funny sometimes like you know, I I think religious history is very interesting, so I, I know a little bit about that. So I like mm-hmm. look stuff up about Randy, about most about Randy. Yeah. You look stuff up, and you're like, oh wow, this is like a really long time ago. It's still a th- yeah. it's still a thing. Still a thing. That's two crazy. Two thousand years ago. It's still a thing. Yeah. I'm not saying it's dumb or it's wrong, but I'm just saying it's still a thing, and that's crazy. Right. Well, basically, the point of of, of kind of defining this uh, this break from from like Christian philosophy is that so modern. When we say modern philosophy, what that basically means is that people started coming up with with you know philosophical investigations and theories and concepts right. that were not like always couched in the context of Christianity. Oh, okay, trying to like relate it to Christianity. So like like you shouldn't murder not because it's in the Ten Commandments because of this. Right to try to kind of explain it on secular terms. Okay. Okay. Secular terms. Sex. Sexy. Sexier terms. Yeah. Um, Let's get sexy. I think it was so appropriately the sexy period of philosophy started with this French guy. <laughs> oh, gross. Descartes. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> um. So yeah, so Descartes was also a mathematician, so he kind of that informed a lot of his uh, most of his approach to philosophy, which was like you know there are all these kind of like mathematical rules and Mm -hmm. principles um, that lay behind uh, reality, and he said that that was basically like mirrored in our minds, you know. So our reason was basically like this computer that had all the all all the rules of logic and, and how to know things programmed into it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and now there were these other people uh, who disagreed with that. And they said that uh, the way you come to know things, the process of, of how you form knowledge in your mind is not through reason. Uh, although it plays an important part, it's not the main thing that drives knowledge. What really drives knowledge is uh, your sense perception. Okay. Is uh basically whatever you perceive from the outside world through experience. Um, so those two things were kind of contrasted against each other. You have reason versus experience. The, the people who believe that experience was the main driving force of uh, knowing things, of knowledge, they were called the empiricists. Uh, and some would say, and some people call them the British empiricists because most of those dudes were British. Hmm. Um, so you have John Locke, the guy who came up with a lot of the uh, political concepts that form modern democracy. I believe it's pronounced Locky. Locky, right? Yeah. Um, Fucking idiot. <laughs> can't even spell. He uh, he uh, he was one of the main British empiricists. 
uh, he came up with this concept called the tabula rasa, which is uh, Latin for like a blank slate. Hmm. He says all of our minds are blank slates and experience writes, basically writes on that slate. And that's what knowledge is. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so these two camps fought each other because they have these <laughs> these conflicting ideas. Bunch of nerds. These nerds, basically. Philosophy fights. These, <laughs> some of them got into actual fights. Some of them got into duel, <laughs> duels. <laughs> Duels. It, it was. I'm sorry, but this shit was so gay. <laughs> uh, oh man! But uh, no, it was. Just, uh, I mean, some of it was interesting. So, I mean, a lot of the arguments that they were talking about were pretty interesting. But they got so heated about it. That's so funny. Yeah. Imagine having nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. These guys just must have had just nothing to do. They sit around and really. think and fight. Well, they're all rich. That's the other thing about philosophy at this time is that you only became a philosopher if you were rich because you had, you know, spare time. You didn't have to work. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was, uh, it was pretty tight. Like, you know, it's if you if you had to travel back in time and then you got stuck in that time period, being a philosopher would be, like, cool. Huh. Not cool. I mean, you know, it'd be lame, but... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it, mean, it would mean that you have... A pretty cushy life. Interesting. So this, so those, so these dudes all start modern Western philosophy. Basically, the yeah, the, then, that's that's what we call modern modern Western philosophy. Okay, uh, it starts with them because it's it's kind of coming after the Renaissance. The Renaissance was like this period of time where people started being okay with like we don't have to talk about fucking Christianity all the goddamn time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then from there, people are like, oh, we can kind of come up with these theories of what causes things and and you know what what lies behind reality or what reality is and we can use we can use terms that are not defined by the church finally hmm. um so yeah so that kind of spurred this this big uh like wave of creativity basically and then here comes Kant, that creepy homebody yeah this real like small ass german uh <laughs> Why do we know he was short? Like, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. Actually, don't know. Don't know he was short. A lot of these are kind of rumors. Rumors? Um, well, not rumors, but they're. You like, hear that rumor about Immanuel Kant? He's not, short. They're not rumors. It's it's more like lore. It's like 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 these are just like little stories that kind of came up about him because he was so famous. People, yeah. Were like, oh my god! I heard he only he never like travels more than three miles outside of his hometown or something like that. You Weird. Know? Um, so yeah. So rumor has it he was short. Uh, he was like extremely disciplined. Uh, he had like all these rituals throughout the day where like he'd have to get up and go to go on a morning walk uh, at like uh, exactly the same time every single day. Oh, yeah. One of the one of the rumors about him or one of the little stories about him is that like people in his hometown could literally set their clocks to him because he was so consistent. Disciplined. Yeah. That's crazy. I wonder how he woke up. I don't know. I doubt I, he even slept. I think about shit like that. Like, how people, before alarm clocks, did anything. How, how, how did people not sleep well, until roosters. noon? Roosters? Yeah, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's just, like, I don't know. That seems like not the most efficient and dependable way to wake yourself up, I guess. But well, That's why there was so much violence back in the day. Because everyone was... was <laughs> 
was just confused about everything. Confused about when they woke up. Everything confused. Think about how mad you are when you wake up and you're late. Oh my god! No, you wake up and you're like, fuck. And then if I wake up on my day off, I'm upset. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm oh this again. Great. You're saying that if you had all the free time in the world. You would use it to just sleep. So you, 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 I just wake up furious. You just be unconscious. So basically, you just, you, that's kind of like saying you wish you were dead. Well, then I got something to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It's just so funny because like I'll like sometimes like I'll, I always, I lose chargers all the time. Uh-huh. So sometimes like instead of having so, phone where chargers. Are you going with so what happened at night, right? <laughs> yeah, I set two alarms on my alarm clock. Oh, okay, okay, two alarms on that. One alarm on my phone sometimes one on my ipad uh-huh. just because i'm so paranoid about sleeping in yeah and like if if one of those is down that means i only have three alarms and i'm like there's no way i'm waking up like i right. freak out it's like <laughs> if i was alive in like the 1700s oh my goodness gracious i'd be a yeah. nervous wreck yeah, yeah yeah you wouldn't survive oh oh my god are you kidding me? i mean neither would i i think so that's why there's so many that's why we were experiencing a population boom is because life is so easy for so many more people yeah, now. Yeah, weak idiots like you and me can thrive. Can thrive, yeah. Thrive! Exactly. It's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, what year was all this taking place, this this Kant fellow? Uh, he was born in seventeen in the 1720s. Weird. So I think a lot of uh, a lot of when he was writing was kind of towards like the like the middle 1700s. So like 50s to to 70s. So what like what was so he was like this weirdo sicko okay so basically his uh deviant he was sexually his, ter- his whole thing was he wanted to reconcile these two camps yeah. of rationalism and, and empiricism um one thing that kind of uh like uh brought him out of this or kind of inspired him slash okay i have to go back real quick so there was he, he spent a lot of time kind of writing about he uh about like knowledge, how you know things, um, how you can really know what reality is versus appearances. Um, and uh, he kind of got into this rut where he was like really confused and he didn't know like what direction to go in. Wow. Uh, and what kind of woke him up uh, and realized what he had to focus on was reading this other guy named David Hume, who was one of the empiricists. Yeah, so that that's what made him woke. Yeah, that's what got him woke. He became yeah. woke because of this. Joined the DSA. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, he started um, like shaming people on Twitter. And they used <laughs> the wrong terms. Um, like, was really got on people for misgendering him. Yeah, um, really upset about yeah, that. Uh, no, this guy Hume. Uh, he actually kind of went even beyond the empiricists, uh-huh. and he uh, was what's called a skeptic, a skepticist, not not a skeptic. But skepticism was this school of philosophy that basically says we can never know anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm in that camp. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I would have fit in with those guys. What? I would have fit in with them, you know? I would have hung out with them and just like every yeah, once in a while we look at each other and then just go, I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but these guys were kind of thinking about like why it was that we couldn't really know anything. No, that's where we differ. And then I just go, well, that's it. <laughs> and you're just content to, to not. Time for breakfast. <laughs> I'm a breakfast boy. I'm a plump that boy. That actually was another uh, school of philosophy, the breakfast boys. The breakfast boys? Yeah. <laughs> the breakfast boys versus the plump boys. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, no, but Hume, um, he basically came up with this notion of, uh, 
you can't so we can't really know anything like we can't even know that cause and effect is a real thing he doubted that cause and effect was real because he said uh there's no rule that you can conjure up that can explain cause and effect cause and effect is really just uh we think that one thing causes another only because of habit because we've seen it before so many times there's no like metaphysical connection between the cause and the effect there's no way to prove it basically Hmm. um and so uh, that kind of threw a lot of people into a loop because they're like well what do you mean i mean obviously we can see a cause and an effect but he was like if you really think about it you can't you can't ever really prove it but like if you think about it like you know? here's the thing man oh man um he was the first one to ever say that sentence basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> well like for example one the example that he uses is uh uh, you can never really predict anything and you can't ever say that just because you've seen it happen with regularity for the longest time, you can never guarantee that it will happen again. Yeah. And the example he uses is the sun rising. You've seen the sun rise over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you know it has. I mean, you don't see the sunrise because you wake up too late but uh <laughs> i haven't seen the sun. i ain't seen the sunrise i actually i don't think I, i've seen the sunrise <laughs> i don't think i ever have i've seen the sunrise before <clears throat> no, anyway. maybe like once in the movies yeah overrated oh great <laughs> oh look who's back yeah the sun well right so who needs you he says that you can't say for sure that the sun will ever rise again. Whoa. <laughs> Which is sad. God, what a haunting. When you say it out loud, it sounds so haunting. It's so <laughs> ominous. But what he's saying is that you can't use the fact that it's risen in the past every single day as justification for saying that it will rise again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you can't ever say that there is actually a cause and an effect. The, or there's a relation between cause and effect. Hmm. Uh, the relation, what we say is a relation between cause and effect is just uh, a convention. It's a, it's something that we've, it's like a rule we've made up based on the habit of us seeing this association in the past. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So Kant was like, well, this is a huge problem. We have to reconcile this. We have to, we have to be able to say that there is such a thing as cause and effect because we feel that so intuitively. Yeah. Um, but we can't prove it. So his whole mission for the rest of his life was to come up with this system of, of reconciling these two camps of there has to be some sort of innate rational mechanism that helps us know things. But then also we have to explain how uh, experience and sense perceptions contribute to uh, our sense of knowledge. Does that kind of make sense so far? Yeah, so he's trying to like... He's trying to bring, them. He's trying to do the damn thing. He's trying to do the damn thing. He's yeah. trying to bring together the two <clears throat> camps. And he the way he does it is he says, okay, um, there is such a thing as innate concepts, innate reason. Um, the biggest ones of those is space and time. The concepts of space and time are categories in our in our minds that are there innately. They're there when we're born. Like if you think about your like when you think about space and time, it's so ingrained in, in the way we perceive the world that it can't just be from experience. It can't mm-hmm. be coming from outside the world. Our sense of time and space is something that we're born with. Yeah. Cause like when you think of any object. Oh, I think about objects, dude. Right. <laughs> 
you always think of them. I'm what you call an objectifier. Right. <laughs> the, 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 great, the great objectifier, Pat Dean. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, this, this guy. Nobody, nobody objectifies people like this guy. <laughs> um, but when you think of an object, like, like the guitar behind you. Uh-huh. All right. You By the way, there's a guitar behind us. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> for the listeners. For the listeners out there. You can't think of it. Not, it's, it's almost like it's it, the, con, the, the contradiction of that statement. There's a guitar behind you. Actually, that's not right. Not, hold on. So just imagining a guitar. Yeah. Right? You don't, it, it's, it's impossible to conceive of it not in space. Right. Right. Because yeah. if, if it's not in space, like, what does that even mean to say that it's not in space? Doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah. It, so the, that, that proposition, there is a guitar, is meaningless. So he kind of goes through proving that. Here's the thing. This is the best way I can explain it because Kant's, like, Kant's way of proving this whole, this whole thing is so, like, dry <laughs> and fucking boring to read uh that that's why that's why i was like when you said let's do kant i was like oh god because he's just so boring he's he's so dry and boring because he's got he's got to explain these very 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 fundamental concepts and like there's no real way to do it poetically like he's trying to like especially not these things especially not in german especially not in german i mean look they're those you know they they have some great thinkers but not a very poetic sounding language not really. I mean, they do have poetry, but it's like, it's, it's, oh. it's yeah, it's like in mathematical can notation. You, can you imagine German poetry? Um, oh, who, like who? Well, Goethe. Oh, fuck him. And fuck uh, you. <laughs> Actually, Rilke is a really good German poet. Oh, you, oh, really? He's he's the only one I like. He's literally the only poet I like. Actually, I actually hate poetry. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> you don't like poetry? No, nah, it's a stupid. Genre. I like some of it, but sometimes it annoys me. Eh. You just look at it and you're like, you, yeah, you think you're so cool. Exactly. It's just like you know, write it down. Stop fucking. Yeah, just, just write a pa- Hey, once you write a paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just do that? <laughs> All right, it works for the Bible. Actually, the Bible's kind of a lot of that is poetry originally. Well, uh, yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Hold on, because we're, we're like in the middle of this kind of important So he's, he's talking about objects in space. Well, he's talking about objects in space, objects in time, and he's using time and space as these examples of mm-hmm. uh, categories that are sort of programmed into our brain to begin with. Right. Right. And the, that's sort of the, the framework that sense perception uh, kind of plays in, in our minds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or that's like, that's where sense perceptions are represented in these concepts of space and time. So what's even wilder is that he, he's not saying that space and time exist out in the world. He's saying space and time are these, these, ideal concepts that only exist in our minds Hmm. and it's and it's it's through this system or this framework that we kind of paint a picture of the world of of the world that we perceive and so he makes this very important distinction between what we perceive and what what we're kind of getting in our minds as experience 
which is then manipulated into this into this like structure using these concepts or, or categories. Mm-hmm. Like I said, so there's time, there's space, but there's also this uh, concept of modality, which is like how possible something is, something being possible versus actual versus necessary. And then there's another type of category called uh, um, like a numerical category. So there's like one, all, uh, a plurality, many, like those really kind of fundamental concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, so these really, really basic fundamental concepts um, are things that are programmed into our head already. And they manipulate sense perceptions into a structure that we call uh, reality. Wow. Okay. But he says that this reality is, is just, it just all exists in our minds. Hmm. Um, and it's a representation of, uh, th- of things in, the, in themselves. There's this concept that he has called a uh, thing in itself. And that's what exists on the other side of our perception. Things that exist out in the world in the, object- in the objective space, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Okay. But he says that we never really know that side of reality. We only know this side of reality, which is what's formed by our, which is what's formed by the concepts programmed into our head that kind of manipulate and, and form our sense perceptions into these like, you know, pictures of reality. Yeah. Okay. That's basically what he's saying. And this, this, this theory is called, uh, uh, transcendental idealism. That's what, that's what it's called in philosophy. Wow. And that, yeah. that was his big thing. That was his big thing. Does this kind of make sense? Do you have any questions about this? Yeah, I think it's making sense. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's how he, uh, reconciled, empiricism and rationalism into this one system called transcendental idealism and he says that's how we know things but that also means that our knowledge whatever you want to call knowledge uh is does not is not in reference to any actual objective reality knowledge is only we can only have knowledge of of our own like inner world hmm yeah that makes sense okay so yeah so that was like his big thing. That was his big thing. So the thing is that since he was German and a nerd, he had to prove it like uh, he had to prove it very rigorously. So he wrote all these books with all these like really long proofs that are. So here's the thing. He, he the way he writes is just God awful. Like it's, <laughs> it's just really, really boring. Yeah. But once you understand the concepts that he's using, um, and like the the terms that he's using, like once they're all defined and uh-huh. stuff, the ideas that he's talking about are actually pretty interesting. Okay, right? It's just it's it's just a bitch to get there. It's a learning curve. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> like anything good in life, you know, it's like it's kind of uh, it's kind of like jazz. Yeah, it's a lot like jazz. Kant is a lot like jazz. Yeah, he's like the Miles Davis of philosophers. Yeah, because sometimes you listen to it and you go, well, you know, what is this shit? And then you learn how hard it is and you go still what is this shit what are you doing right but you calm down <laughs> miles so the thing is that with with kant even though he uh he kind of he he basically like started this this uh tradition of defining these really crazy lofty terms about reality knowledge um uh understanding uh m- metaphysics uh you know, substance, 
all this all this stuff that that a lot of philosophers talk about now it all started with him oh really he kind of came up with all these terms hmm what uh but like do you think he ever do you think these guys ever prove anything is there a way to prove any of this that's Um, that's the, the thing about philosophy is it just seems like a lot of dudes just just talking and you're like well i mean yeah I that is that sort of is what all philosophy is i mean like when Dude's you talk talking. about proof uh you know what is proof like what do you, how do you how do you define proof me yeah well, i don't know well yeah well so the, so <laughs> most of Dang. philosophy is just is is just I, most of philosophy is just defining terms it's talking about it's it's asking you know well oh well, what can you prove it and then a, what a philosopher does is says, well, what is proof? And then you got to be like, oh, uh, shit. I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. Outsmarted immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I'm immediately, I'm getting cucked by these guys. Yeah. Now I'm getting mentally cucked by Kant. Damn yeah. it. You're, you, you just got Kant cucked. I got Kant cucked. Yeah. <laughs> the worst kind. You got Kanted. <laughs> I got Kanted. Uh, what, um, so, so what other stuff was, did he, so another big thing that he did, uh, is called the categorical imperative. I've heard of this. Yeah. That's, uh, his, it's sort of the basis of his theory on morality. Okay. Um, the categorical imperative says that, uh, um, black Sabbath rules, black Sabbath rules. That's the first thing you need to yeah. know. This has been, uh, I learned nothing. Uh, my <laughs> name is Ben. It's <laughs> all you need to know. Yeah. No, the categorical imperative is, uh, it's so okay so the way it's defined is uh any action if you're trying to understand if an action is good or bad uh it's only you 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 can know that it's a good action if you can apply that rule to everybody uh in that same situation okay and that's what does that mean so every action has an equal and opposite reaction did you know that right what do you say to that? Um, that doesn't really apply, I don't wow. think. Um, it's math. <laughs> it's physics, though. It's not math. A little guy named um, Albert Einstein. It's, it's <laughs> Newton. <laughs> oh, that was him? Yeah. God damn it. I really thought that was... <laughs> Did you really? Oh, no. Oh, okay. I knew that he's, was Newton. He's E equals MC squared. Yeah. Newton is... No, I knew yeah. that. <laughs> That's funny though. I just thought that was out what I was saying. Do we have to do physics again, man? I mean, again, I never <laughs> got it the first time. Well, I mean, but we did Schrodinger's cat. We solved the mystery it's of Schrodinger's that you, cat. I, I, yeah. So I, <laughs> you, you got I, I got you to learn quantum physics. Yeah. Which is miles ahead of like basic classical me- mechanics. <laughs> well, so, so. well, beyond that, it's way ahead of just remembering who did what. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that difficult to remember. Yeah. Neil okay. Armstrong walked on the moon, and Albert Einstein is a fucking liar. <laughs> the man is a liar. He's a liar. <laughs> a liar and a scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> And like a pervert, apparently. Who? Einstein? Albert Einstein. Remember all those letters came out of him just writing these love letters to women? And Wait, really? Yeah. Well, so He's I just like watched this. a sexual this. being. Oh, God. Isn't that gross? Ew. Imagine that guy. Well, okay, so I was... We're Imagine him afterward, just all sweaty, like, uh So, okay. We're oh, oh, do you, oh, do you need some water, babe? Ugh. Ugh. Oh, gross. Albert Einstein? 
His hair's everywhere, yeah. you know? <laughs> Do you want some tea? He's got an undershirt on. I bet he kept an undershirt on. Yeah, like a, a tank top. Uh, oh, God, <laughs> just that old man's shirt. Of your, your dad coming downstairs. You know, you, you come in past curfew, he's wearing that shirt. That's what I picture <laughs> Albert Einstein wearing when he has sex. Or had, because he's dead now. <laughs> well, also, also he married dead. his cousin. He married his first cousin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, this is, we're getting way off track, but I have to just mention this real quick. Go. There was this, so there's this, uh, uh, there's this, this show uh, by the National Geographic channel or whatever, but it's on Amazon, so I watched it. Yeah. About Einstein. It's like about his personal life and shit. Oh, no. And the first episode and the first scene, it's him like boning his secretary oh. against the chalkboard. Oh, and he's, what? Yeah, and he's played by Jeffrey Rush. So, oh. so just you're watching Jeffrey Rush just banging some like, <laughs> some secretary against the chalkboard. How weird is it being an actor? It's like, oh, what'd you do today? I went to my job. What happened today? Well, you know, uh, today I pretended to have sex with a woman who was pretending to be my secretary. Also, I was also pretending to be Albert Einstein. (laughs) What kind of life is this? I mean, pretty rad. Like, I guess it sounds pretty cool. I mean, it would be so cool. I mean, it's gross. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to think about Albert Einstein having sex. And that's all I can think about. Yeah. Uh, okay, so back to this Kant guy before you got us derailed with this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, you uh, know what's cool though? You don't ever have to imagine Emmanuel Kant having sex because I think he died a virgin. Really? Yeah. How do we? How do people know that? I don't know, but like, I mean, I think people people knew that he did not have like any sort of relationship with women. Why do you think that is? Well, with Kant, he actually he legitimately was so obsessed and focused on on his like philosophical mission. That I had no tr- I had no time. Yeah, didn't didn't really give a shit about. Sorry, women. ladies. Mm-mm. Sorry, ladies. Bring that shit somewhere else. Yeah, because Kant is not interested. Mm-mm. You know, maybe he'll go wait around a couple hundred years talking to this Albert Albert Einstein freak. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah, couldn't yeah, get right. enough. <laughs> this guy was insatiable. Just stick around Germany for another <laughs> another two hundred years. I mean, this guy could. I mean, all day long, right. all day strong. That <laughs> Albert Einstein. You know, all day long, all day strong, all day wrong. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Um, so so you're talking about Kant okay. in actions. Right, okay, so... He sounds like a virgin. <laughs> All this shit is so un... That's what's, that's what's so weird, is that he's, it seemed like he was rejecting, like, normal life, but yeah. he wanted to understand it. Well, he wanted why. to understand the, the absolute basics of, like, how we come to know things. Uh, like, how, you know, how we perceive reality, what our relationship to reality is. Yeah. These are, like, really, really fundamental questions. Um, that most people just don't think about because when they wake up in the morning, they're like, all right, I got to go to my job. I want to go eat. I want to go bang this broad against a chalkboard. Right. Uh, you know, they just kind of go along with their lives, not really worrying about like, wait, how do I know that I know things or how do I know <laughs> well, that, that this is reality? Right. That's such a crazy thing. Yeah. Like to say and to contemplate. Yeah. How do I know that I contemplate? Contemplate. Yeah. That's what he did. So conscious, he was a contemplator, and he, which is it's interesting because he had okay. no, he had no time for Kant. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so go back to the thing about these these actions you were talking All about. Right. So you're let's say you're going. You okay? Let's pick an example. Like let's say that you are you. 
you're caught in a situation where you either have to lie to somebody or tell the truth about something. Oh no. Right. I'm sweating already. This isn't even real. In your head, you're thinking, well, what's, what's morally right here? Do I lie? Yes. Or, (laughs) well, all right, that's it. That wraps it up. <laughs> God, I have so many tangled web of lies. So yeah. God, I can't keep them straight. I'm fucking losing it. <laughs> All right, man. That's it. Let's, we got to keep this professional, right? Keep your personal web of lies out of this podcast. Well, it defines um, who I am. I, <laughs> so you're a liar, too. What would you say your biggest strength is? Lying. Lying. <laughs> 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 Maintaining this tesseract of lies, <laughs> this huge structure of lies. Hey, what's your biggest weakness? Getting caught lying. <laughs> <laughs> this house of cards is so fragile. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So you're about to lie or you're about to tell the truth. You don't know which, which to do. Uh, Kant says you use the categorical imperative to determine whether, you know, uh, whatever your next decision is whether your next decision is going to be right or wrong. And that categorical imperative was the thing you said about this Would, is a good action. Is this a rule that you can apply to, to all everything. people yeah. in all situations? Okay. Dang. Um, lying, obviously, you would say, he would argue is not, doesn't qualify because um, it may help you in this one particular situation. When you're caught, when you're, if you're caught lying, it doesn't help you. When, uh, if you apply it to someone else, like if you're on the other end of it and someone's lying to you, you know, you don't want them to lie. You don't, you wouldn't say it's appropriate in that case. Yeah. Right. But if you tell the truth, that's something that you can do in every situation. Uh, and you can apply that to any person and it would still be the right option. Hmm. Right. It would be morally consistent across the board. That's yes. basically what the categorical imperative means. Okay. Yeah. And he loved it. He loved it. Yeah. He loved you, it. He loved the categorical imperative. He loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this guy sounds like such a fucking nerd. He is. A, he's such a huge nerd, dude. I mean, so his, his shit is. It's so weird. So I bet his, his mom was so hot. I bet. <laughs> I bet this guy. I bet Emmanuel Kant. Okay. Right. His mom was just so beautiful. <clears throat> Right, super, super hot. And he was just, as a result, he was just terrified of women somehow. Mm -hmm. And so he just sat around thinking all day, walking around. Yeah, and also he probably had, she was probably one of those moms who like, like invited like his schoolmates over to like be be friends with him or whatever. And they only came over so they could like ogle his mom. Yeah. You know? And she kind of knew. Yeah, she kind of knew, and she kinda, you can tell she kind of liked the she attention. Knew, she knew she was a hot mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she knew what she was doing. God, how crazy must that be to be a hot mom? I don't know. I mean, ask Immanuel Kant. Well, I, yeah, that okay. If I had three questions I could ask Immanuel Kant, uh-huh. it would be, how hot was your mom? And that's it. I don't need to know anything else. Yeah, um, being a hot mom, that must be a weird fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I know some hot moms. I should ask them. Yeah, ask them what it's like. Yeah, I'll ask and them. ask if their kids are huge nerds. Hey, let's see something. Uh, what's it like being a hot mom? They're just like Pat. Come on, <laughs> I'm a human being. <laughs> um, okay, so what were, we, what were we on? Oh yeah, Kant and his mom and his mom. No, hot fucking mom. hot she was. Well, yeah. So the, what's weird about Kant too is his. Look, if you just look at his ideas, his basic ideas were, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, we're 
sort of we can only know uh, our own perceptions and how they're organized by our mind through these concepts uh the uh, objective world and uh, the thing, things in and of themselves mm-hmm. are on this other side of this great divide that we'll never know. Like all this stuff is like very matrixy. Yeah. And it's like sort of the type of, it's the type of, uh, like, <laughs> it's the type of uh, speculation and um, sort of like wild wackadoo theories mm-hmm. that you could only really come up with if you were f- like fucking just like high as shit. Like if you just smoked so much weed, yeah, and like you're you're like stumbling into things high. But he just did it naturally. But he just did it naturally, and he did it in like the lamest way possible, which is just to write huge books about it. It's instead so of weird. Like, instead of like passing a joint on a couch and being like, "Man, we can never really know what real reality is." Man, what's funny about him? Okay, <clears throat> is that he's this guy. He didn't even drink coffee. what's funny about him is that he's this ridiculously influential person ridiculously influential whose existence has changed the way we think about things right Mm -hmm. the only thing but it's but what's so so funny is that people felt the need to be like oh yeah he also was probably like a fucking virgin (laughs) like it's just funny that people were just like yeah he also never got his his ds you know what i mean like people why do why do we need to know this but it's all i can think about is how weird he was um yeah i mean well that's the thing too i mean when you come up with uh when you come when you come up with a, a huge theory of not not only the world but of like the nature of reality and the 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 nature of of what it means for us to know know it yeah uh or just any sort of theory about the relationship between our our own minds and the world around us uh and the universe and all that all that all of it all that grand shit yeah uh, if you come up with like a huge theory about that, that is pretty much irrefutable, almost irrefutable from all sides. Like you have to be a virgin to to, <laughs> to maintain that kind of focus for it's, that mission. What's so funny though is when you put it that way, <laughs> like oh yeah, this is this guy shaped our view of that. I mm-hmm. would think to myself, this guy must be the most interesting human being on the face of the planet. And then you meet him, and it's just like, oh, what do you like to do? Oh, I go for walks, and uh, you know, I, I hate getting laid. And you're like, what? <laughs> How? Um, it's, that's just so fun that he ended up being the most boring human being alive. Well, actually, so he wasn't, he was boring on paper. He actually wasn't boring in person. What? So also, so people did invite him to like parties and stuff like, so, you know, there's like grand balls and soirees, whatever will the version. Will girls be there? Um, will there be philosophy? <laughs> well, um, wear your books. Well, right, right. So when people invited him to these parties, he would come over and he wouldn't like, he wouldn't hit on Goyles. He would, uh, <laughs> he would just start talking about philosophy. <laughs> this guy sucks. And, but when people actually spoke to him about about it, they'd all get tripped out about what he was talking about, and they'd yeah. be like, "Whoa!" Like they'd all turn into Keanu Reeves and be like, "Whoa!" Um, that would and happen. Then, and then he'd leave, and then people would be like, "Uh." Oh, okay. Back to the party, and then they start dancing again. Weird, because yeah. they knew how to like compartmentalize their intellectual life from their party life. I have found and have fun, and Kant couldn't do that. Kant <laughs> just didn't know how to have fun. <laughs> yeah, Kant don't want to have fun. Yes. Uh, there, 
the hit parody the con- song. The contact fun. The, the hit parody song <laughs> that we just wrote. I found that to be the case with music teachers over the years. Mm-hmm. Music teachers, I like. I knew this guy growing up who was like brilliant, absolutely right. brilliant, and then like. You talk to him in, like in between lessons, or like you know, you you go, oh, "What would you do this weekend?" You talk to him, you just be like, "God, you're just like this weird shell of a person who can make <laughs> these beautiful things." You know? Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. And then the exact opposite of that was this guy, John. I worked with a guy named John McCain, uh-huh. but he was like that was just his name, like the senator. <laughs> and so. <laughs> So we grew up outside of the D.C. area, okay? You said his first and last name. <laughs> well, it's just his name. And so his, his name is John McCain. Yeah. And yeah. people would call this music place that I, I did administrative work and I taught music at it. And people would call and they'd be like, yeah, I want to learn like, you know, classical music. And I'd be like, all right, you should take a lesson with this guy. He's available Friday at nine. His name is John McCain. And they'd always go like, oh, it's like he's clearly not the same yeah, John right. McCain. It's not Senator John McCain. He can't lift his arms up above his head. You think he's going to teach you classical music? Yeah. He's tortured physically and emotionally. Like you can't fucking play guitar. There's no way John McCain can play guitar. Yeah. Well, he's also fucking senile as fuck. A little bit. Like but, after did you see that? Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> but this this John McCain, this guy was fucking brilliant, mm-hmm. and he was so funny to talk to. So yeah. every once in a while it doesn't happen. But it happened with music teachers all the time. They'd be like that. So mm-hmm. how do we how do we how do we wrap up Kant? What do you have a final lesson? Do we have a what do we think of this guy? So hold on. So you fucking talked about how you you think his writing is very dry and boring, mm-hmm. but the, you you think the concepts are interesting. Isn't that the concepts weird, are really man? interesting? Yeah, the concepts it's like are H.P. Really Lovecraft. Sure, I don't, I've never read any H.P. Lovecraft, but they kind of suck. But like his ideas are so cool. <laughs> yeah, sure, his ideas are cool. I mean, like so basically, octopus monsters and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. To wrap up, Kant's basic ideas were. Um. Just be cool, man. Re- reality is—it's yeah. just be cool. That's his philosophy. Yeah. Just be cool. No, um, well, actually, he, uh, his political philosophy was also kind of just be cool. Oh, he really? Was, um, he was very influenced by the Enlightenment. So, if we're going to do this real quick, yeah, not to get into his whole political philosophy, but he, you know, he was influenced by the Enlightenment. He, you know, believed in um, individual rights. Uh, he believed that human beings. Uh, uh, deserved, uh, you know, dignity and respect based on uh, the use of their reason. Um, he believed uh, dignity and respect dignity. must be nice. Yeah, <laughs> must be um, nice. He believed that uh, he sort of believed in representational democracy, and um, he also believed in this separation of church and state, where uh, you know people should have the right to believe what they believe. Hmm. Um, that sort of thing. So he was, he was actually pretty liberal, pretty progressive for the time. Yeah. Um, all right, so there's that. In terms of his metaphysical and uh, epistemological ideas, epistemology Whoa. is, do you know that word? Yeah, it has to do with flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Study of flowers. <laughs> kind of weird you're bringing it up when we're talking about Immanuel Kant. But yeah. whatever. <laughs> no, epistemology is the study of knowledge. It's the study of how we know things. Okay. Okay. And metaphysics is <coughs> it's sort of understanding the um, how reality is structured, um, you know, beyond our perception. Yeah. Uh, Kant says we can never really know what reality is like beyond what 
what we uh, perceive through our experience and what we uh, and 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 we can never really know anything outside of the concepts that structure uh, the picture of, of our experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that means that the only knowledge that we can ever have are, is just of uh, how our minds structure perceptions. Yeah. That's it. Basically. Interesting. Well, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. I think about that shit. Yeah. Sometimes. What do you think? Well, because I'll be like, I'll think about that. Like, you know, no one. It's like, okay. It's like, you ever have an argument, like, not an argument, but you ever have someone recount an argument mm-hmm. that you weren't involved in? Yeah. Okay. It's always this. It's always like. And so I said to him, how about I show up at 530 mm-hmm. instead of 520? That way we can. You know everything will work out, and then he's uh, then he's like, no, because um, no, because I'm unreasonable, and you're really smart and charming and handsome. Okay, like it's always yeah. like you always They're only hear, yeah. and you. I'm always like, well, there's no way this happened the way you're saying it happened. How on earth could you possibly think that? Mm-hmm. How could you think that? It, and I, and I think about that sometimes when I have. Um, not just not even disagreements, just shared common experiences with people, and I hear their point of view of it, and I'm like, "That's mm. not what happened. What? That's what you? Well, you know right. what I mean?" And so it's crazy. I think of that shit all the time mm-hmm. because I think that I don't know. I I, th- I, th- I think it's 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 becoming almost a lost thing to be like, "Oh, right." I'm not the center of everything. Sure. There are other people involved. So if Kant's thing is is even goes even more beyond that because it's it's saying that there is no uh logically coherent account of whatever that situation was. There's the one person's perception of it, right? Then when you go and talk to the other person, the p- person on the other side of that argument, uh their perception of it obviously will be different. But then there's still no one objective, logically con- coherent yeah. account. That's that's right because neither of them have access to that. Right. And if you talk about a third person, say I'm like a a, a, an, a you know a impartial observer to big the, bad Benny C to the two people. My even my perception of those two sides is not uh you know a, an objectively coherent yeah that's and logical uh, perspective. It's still just a perspective. Hmm. Um. So he's saying, and he's saying that it's not like a, uh, what's called solipsism, which is another episode we can talk about. Yeah. But, uh, solipsism is basically the theory that there is no objective reality at all. And that the only reality is just like me right now, my own perception is all the reality, reality that the, that Mm -hmm. there is, which means that like you're a figment of my imagination and nothing more. Yeah. I think about that sometimes. Yeah, that's I solipsism. Know, I, I read about that before, so I know a little bit about that. Okay, yeah. So uh, Kant is saying that that's it, solipsism is doesn't isn't true. He's saying that there is. He's saying fuck solipsism. Yeah, he's saying ish. that there is this. There is this what like fucker. Uh, there is stuff. There's stuff on the other side of our stuff and things. There's stuff and things on the other side of our perception. There, it's just not. That's not. Stru- we cannot say that that is structured in the way that we perceive it. Uh huh. Um, it's not that there, that it isn't. We just can't say that it is. All we yeah. know is just how, how how our own brains structure this stuff, this this shit. Well, all I know, Ben, we're running out of time. We is that you're a great fucking guy? We got to wrap this up. We right? got to wrap this up. All right. Uh, well, that's that's Kant. That's that's yeah. That's 
Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. I think I think I'm I think I'm uh, think think I'm, on Kant's, I think I'm on Kant's side about this. The thing is, is that I'm a content. He's not right necessarily. Not that he's wrong, uh, but like he just kind of made so many leaps. Yeah, that people are still interpreting it. Some people disagree with him. Some people agree with him. Some people take issue with very specific parts of his philosophy, but still agree generally. So, I take issue with him dying a virgin. We should go, go back in time and get him laid. Dude, we should go back in time and we should get him high. Should get him high, I'll, bro. I'll, I'll be like, dude, I bet you're like so crazy when you're high. I bet like you say all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So let's go. We're going to go back in time. We're going to smoke a fat <coughs> a joint dude. with Emmanuel Kant. The fattest dude with Emmanuel Kant. We're going to get him a r- Emmanuel ripped. How funny would it be if <laughs> we go back in time and we meet him? And we're like, all right, it's Kant. Let's do this, baby. And then we walk up to him, and then we're like, oh, shit, neither one of us speak German. God damn it. We yeah. can't even, we time traveled all the way back in time. He, we can't even communicate with him. Right. And then he goes, you gonna beat me up? <laughs> <laughs> no, please. He's just so pathetic. Right. <laughs> He's just a genuinely, you ever right. been a genuinely pathetic person? Right. We would just be compelled to invent a locker so we can shove him in it. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter. You're at Gristleporn. Gristleporn. Yeah. At Gristleporn. G-R-I-S-T-L-E-O-S-T-L-E. Gristleporn. I can't spell. Fuck yeah. me. <laughs> Gristleporn. You get it. Yeah, you yeah. get it. You know it. You love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, find me on Twitter at Pat Dean, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Love you. Bye. International.